You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Strange Fire. Hello my radio friends, welcome to the program today. You may be intrigued by the title of today's program, but it will become clearer as we progress. Those of you who are familiar with the Old Testament may know something about the sanctuary, later the temple, and its services. The first priest God appointed to serve was Aaron, the brother of the leader of the Israelites, Moses. Aaron was the high priest. Aaron was from the family group or tribe of Levi, and the priesthood was to be carried on through that family line. Now Aaron had two sons, Nadab and Abihu, who also served as priests. These two young men must have been somewhat rebellious and wanted to do things their way. The Bible records what happened. It's found in Leviticus chapter 10 verses 1 and 2. It says, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out before the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Before explaining further about this, a number of questions become obvious. They are, number one, how could God punish these men without explaining why? And number two, why did God not give them a second chance? Third, what was it they did that was so bad that they lost their lives for it? The fourth question is, are people in positions of trust? more accountable than others. The next one is, when is almost not enough? And the last question, what happens when we do it our way? What Nadab and Abihu did was an encroachment on duties which were to be carried out only by the high priest, their father Aaron but the offence was of a far more aggravated nature than just that. There were multiple sins contained in one act. First, they ventured unauthorised to perform the incense service, the highest and most solemn of the priestly duties. They also engaged together in a work which was the duty only of one, the high priest. And thirdly, they presumed to light the fire on the offering themselves. In this respect, they offered strange fire before the Lord. In these actions, they showed carelessness, irreverence, and insensitivity to the Lord, 
and to the holiness of the tabernacle. A precedent of such evil tendency was dangerous, and it was necessary, therefore, as well for the priests and for the sacred things, that God should give a punishment. When incense is used, there is what is known as a censer, a small fire pot suspended on a chain. Inside, some glowing coals are placed, which makes the censer hot. On the top of the censer is an area where beads or powder made from the gum or resin of some sweet-smelling plant is put. As it heats, it gives off smoke and a pleasant aroma. Usually, the priest would swing the censer to and fro to keep the coals glowing. Here in Australia, we have the sandalwood tree. Its wood, when heated, gives off a very pleasant aroma. And the wood is mainly exported to India to be powdered and used as incense. Now, I've told you that I grew up on a farm and we had sandalwood trees on the farm. And it's true. The smell from the burning sandalwood is beautiful. Well, anyhow, in the tabernacle, they stood next to the thick curtain dividing the holy place from the most holy place, the altar of incense. Its main purpose was to provide a beautiful aroma in the tabernacle. Leviticus 9 tells how the fire in the altar of sacrifice and probably the altar of incense first began. In verse 24 it says, And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. Did Nadab and Abihu light their own fire for the senses? We don't know, but can suppose it was not from the continual fire burning from the altar. Their act of indifference and irreverence was unacceptable, and God had to deal with the problem. Had he not, then the tabernacle which contained the presence of God would have become nothing more than a ceremonial place with no holiness. When you think about it, it is good that God is gracious to you and me, us as sinners, because he has not punished us immediately after we have sinned. God explained why he punished those two young men immediately, and we find the answer in Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 3. And it says this, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. There are many issues that can be drawn from this short story. One is about how we conduct ourselves in church. Church is no place for idle talk 
laughing, telling jokes, or for smoking, drinking, having rock concerts or parties. The church is a place where we invite God to be present, and we should cultivate an atmosphere of reverence and holiness. The third of the Ten Commandments speaks about not taking the Lord's name in vain. Why is that? It's for the same reason as I've just explained. We need to realise that God is holy and anything associated with him is to be treated as holy as well. Now, let's have a look at those questions. The first one was, how could God punish these men without explaining why? The reason is that he had already explained through Moses what their duties were. But they disregarded the instructions and took things into their own hands. So was God at fault or was it Nadab and Abihu? Of course they were at fault and they were responsible for their own actions. It's like this. In the summer, when it's to be a day of extreme fire danger with strong winds, it is widely announced through the media that no open fires are to be lit. Suppose you decide to have a picnic barbecue in the forest and your fire escapes and spreads. Who is to blame? You are, of course. You were warned and disregarded the warning. The blame would belong fairly and squarely with you. But there are some people who try to shift the blame. They say, Oh God, you made me, therefore you are responsible. They do not accept the responsibility for their own actions. Now we come to question two, which was, why did God not give them a second chance? Well, there are probably two good reasons. Number one was that they already knew what was right and wrong. And secondly, God had to make an example of them to demonstrate to any other priests the importance of their office and the sacredness of their duties. Now we come to question three, which was, was what they did so bad that they lost their lives for it? Yes. Although what they did was only known to the Lord and perhaps some of the other priests, it was rebellion as well as a threat to the whole of the nation of Israel. God had just brought the people out of Egypt and had performed many mighty miracles to save his people. Yet here were these priests, in effect belittling God and by their actions showing that they couldn't care less about him. What they did was as bad as the rebellion of Korah, who also suffered instant justice 
for his rebellion. No one, past, present or future, should monkey with God. Instead, we should respect and obey him. There's a wise saying in the English language that it is a mistake to bite the hand that feeds you. God had protected and provided for his people. He had set up a system for them to have their sins forgiven. And these two silly young men failed to recognize what had been done for them. They overstepped the mark. The fire they put in their senses was unholy fire, but it was holy fire that caused their demise. We should not feel sorry for them. They did wrong, and they deserved what they got. Question 4. Are people in positions of trust more accountable than others? Now, this is a very important question, and the answer is yes. People in our communities, such as judges, police, teachers and ministers, are there to uphold the law, the standards of society, and to be examples to the rest of the community. Parents and adults are to be examples and protectors of children. How sad it is when those who hold important positions in society, who, like Nadab and Abihu, abuse their privileges and engage in activities that are illegal and or corrupt. If the leaders of society do the wrong thing, what hope is there for the rest of us? And I want to say this to all you ministers and church leaders who are listening today. You need to be very careful how you live. You must be a good example not only to your parishioners, but to all people. You will be judged by your honest, faithful life or otherwise. And you need to be especially careful about what you teach and preach. Make sure that what comes from your mouth is truth and is supported by God's word, the Bible. Ministers who decline to teach the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, are accountable to God who is our judge. If a minister leads his congregation astray because he avoids truth or twists truth, he will not be in favour with God and will be dealt with accordingly. Ministers need to realise their sacred responsibility and carry out their duties with fear and trembling. Before we do question five, we're going to have a little break and then we'll go on straight afterwards.
Question five was this. When is almost not enough? Well, Nadab and Abihu put fire in their senses. They used incense. They were in the holy place at the temple. They were priests. Wasn't that okay? No. Nearly is not enough. When I play golf, I can't go home and boast that I nearly got a hole in one. When the ball flew past the hole and it took me three more strokes to get it in, nearly is not enough. Unfortunately, especially in Christian circles, there are lots of nearlies. People might say, oh, I go to church, I pay my offerings and or tithes. I don't tell lies except perhaps for some little white ones. I don't commit adultery, even though there are times when I think about it. 
The doctrines, I believe, are almost right. Although I know the Sabbath is on Saturday, I keep Sunday. That's okay, isn't it? I know I shouldn't do certain things, but if I do them, I know Jesus will forgive me. If we know what to do and don't do it, for us it's sin. James 4.17 says just that. Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Nearly is not enough. Question six is about doing it our or my way. In the back of my mind I hear Frank Sinatra singing, I'll do it my way. Imagine you've been employed to do a certain job for a new boss. Your boss requires you to urgently deliver a parcel to a customer. Instead of going to that customer as quickly as possible, you decide to have a walk along the river and if you find a good spot, stop and do some fishing. Then you perhaps you go to a restaurant and have a meal. Later you go home where you just sit and watch some television. Then, being tired from all the activities, you go to bed and have a good rest, sleeping in until well after time to show up for work. You forgot the parcel, so you decide to go to the post office and post it. By 2 p.m. you're at work. Your boss, of course, is angry because the customer had been phoning every 20 minutes about that urgent package. You announce to your employer, I did it my way. How long do you think you'd keep that job? There is only one way to have eternal life, and that's through Jesus. My way is no way. And that's illustrated by the story of Uzzah. Uzzah was the son of Abinadab. He and Ohio, his brother, were given a special task. And you can read this story in 2 Samuel 6 and 1 Chronicles 13. The sacred Ark of the Covenant had been captured by the Philistines, but while it was held in their country, all sorts of bad things happened to them. Their fish god, Dagon, collapsed. The people became covered with boil-like sores to the degree that the Philistines eventually decided to send the ark back to Israel. When that happened, and that's an interesting in itself, their calamities ceased. The ark was held in Baal, Judah, but King David wanted it brought back to Jerusalem. So he collected all the choice men of Israel to assemble together for that special occasion. The crowd of people was over 30,000. And I'll read to you a little bit from Second Samuel chapter 6, verses 3, 5, 6 and 7. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, went before the cart. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of firwood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, though something like metal rattles, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. 
Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. If you read on, the king was displeased with God, but that's another story. Now, wasn't Uzzah motivated by good motives? After all, he tried to prevent the ark from toppling off the cart. Yes, his motives were good, but the ark was not to be touched. Normally, it was carried by long poles slipped through rings in the sides, but only the priests were to carry it. Unfortunately, Uzzah overstepped the mark. Nadab and Abihu, like Uzzah, also overstepped the mark. They had disobeyed God's instructions and died as a result. But you know, there's a lesson here for us. God has given his commandments, and if we think we can do otherwise than what has been commanded, we place ourselves in peril. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 is a warning to such people. It says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Motives or intentions are not an excuse. What God requires is obedience. If you love me, he said, keep my commandments. Should you get stopped by the police for speeding and you say to the officer, Oh, sir, I was speeding because I was in a hurry to visit my sick friend in hospital. Do you think you'll be excused? No way. What we are asked to do is obey not just the laws of the land, but God's laws too. When you know what you are to do and don't do it, that is sin. I'm sure some of you who hear my voice today recognize things wrong in your lives that are not in accordance with God's will. My friends, make the necessary changes. Don't trifle with God. Remember the strange fire and what happened to Nadab, Abihu and Uzzah. Well, that's it for today. And until next time, this is Len signing off. And in the meantime, I wish you the willingness to obey and to do what God wants you to do. Thank you.